If you look at Ephesians 4.32, just a simple verse, and it comes at the end of the chapter of Ephesians, and Ephesians is just talking about some practices that ought to be in every believer's life. And so uh, as you go through and you read this, he talks about some spiritual gifts and then also relating that to our former life and to where we're supposed to be in our current life as a believer. And so when you get into Ephesians, he's kind of covering all these subjects, and he gets to the end of the chapter, and he brings this thought out, and he says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And so I want to talk about forgiveness tonight, and I gave you a handout. I don't want you to read it right now, because we'll get to that in just a moment. I know that's hard to do, right? And uh, so I should have just held it until I was ready for it, and then you wouldn't read it. But uh, when you get into the book of Ephesians, what a wonderful book to read. If you were to just look back a few verses, we're dealing with the idea of corrupt communication. If you uh, go up, he said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so whenever we're talking about this, corrupt communication is having an unforgiving spirit. We communicate with ourselves and maybe communicate that message to others, and it's an unforgiving spirit. So we're told if it is not edifying and if it does not minister grace, we should probably hold our thoughts. We shouldn't say those words. We shouldn't speak things just so that we may uh, maybe hurt another individual with our words. So when we do not hold our thoughts, often it leads to the believer doing something according to the Scriptures. It says that we can even grieve the Holy Spirit. And so you look at verse 30 there in this same chapter, and it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. If you say, what is grieving the Holy Spirit? You go right back to verse 29, and I believe it ties directly to the subject matter of corrupt communication, grieves the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and he lists a number of things in verse 31 that we ought not have in our eyes and in our, in our lives. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice. And then he says, and be kind. And so if you look at this, there's a pattern to everything the Lord does. And I believe there's a, a way in which he's written this that kind of kind of hones us in on this subject matter of forgiveness as you get to the end of this chapter. And so he tells us some things that should be absent. And he tells us some things that should be present. And we want to focus on forgiveness, which includes kindness and tenderheartedness. You know, a lot of times we get angry and you can maybe... Uh, think this through yourself just a bit, but how many of you have gotten angry because you didn't know the whole matter? And the Bible says, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is just folly and shame unto him. Sometimes we have quick snap responses to people without having all the information. Am I the only guilty one? I, I'm guilty of that. There are times where I've rushed to uh, a statement or rushed to a judgment or rushed to a thought without having all the information, and I've made some serious, serious mistakes and have even sinned against my Father in heaven because I was quick to answer the matter before I knew the whole matter. And so we have to be careful. And what does that create? Well, that creates an environment sometimes where forgiveness has to be sought. And we are asking for forgiveness or granting forgiveness to others. And so the challenge to us tonight is consider your spirit of forgiveness toward others. Consider your spirit of forgiveness toward others. And so God shows us in His Word we need to uh, have a tender heart and a forgiving heart. And so I looked at it in terms of obligations, and I think we're obligated to show kindness. I think we're obligated to be tender-hearted, and I think we're obligated to be a people of forgiveness. If you say, why? Because he said, 
don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And he said, get all these things out of your life, but, notice what it says, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted. You know, he tells us what we should be doing. So I love what the Lord does. He said, get rid of the corrupt communication. Don't grieve the Spirit. Get rid of this stuff out of your life and put this in it. <laughs> and he tells us just in a certain order of how to accomplish that. And so I believe this first obligation is the subject matter of kindness. And so repeatedly the Bible speaks of the subject of kindness, especially among the brethren. In 1 Corinthians, he tells us, which we call the love chapter 13, 4, charity that word is love. That's that type of agape love. Now, when I use that word, some of us say, well, we know what that means, but I want you to get a hold of this tonight, and it's this thought. An act of love God's people show toward the Lord and toward others. Agape love is an act of love. It's not passive. It's not just understood, but it has an active uh, thought behind it. So when he says charity in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, this is an active kind of love. And it's an active kind of love God's people have for one another and for the Lord. And this is the tough one. Even our enemies. Now that's tough. That we show them love and kindness. And, and, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And we'll see what the scriptures have to teach us about even those that do us wrong. And he says, charity suffereth long. But notice this. Love not only suffers long, but it is kind. And so that kindness is what he's talking about here. And so that is what we're showing. When we show uh, kindness toward an, uh, another person, we have that forgiving spirit, that kind of loving spirit. That kind of spirit is a kind of spirit that shows the love of God to others. Now, I realize that at times what happens is what causes a lot of unforgiveness to take place or what causes heated arguments a lot of times, think about it, it all stems from this idea, criticism. A lot of times, critical spirits are what start arguments between us, right? Critical spirits start it. Uh, we start looking at what everybody's doing wrong rather than what people are doing right. And we are easy to criticize others, but really slow to really say, you know what, you did a great job with that. Appreciate it. We'll always point out the wrong. Now, we say, well, it's just being constructive. Well, no, sometimes it's just destructive. <laughs> and there's no need to have said some of the words that come out of our mouth at times. We're better off holding our thoughts than releasing those thoughts. And so to establish kindness, sometimes you've got to watch that you do not have a critical spirit. And you think about it today, there's a lot of criticism going on. You just watch the news for 10 minutes. I believe that our president of the United States is incapable of ever doing anything right. All you have to do is watch any other news channel but Fox, and you'd find that out. Now, if you watch Fox, you would think that he walks on water like Jesus Christ, but at the same time, he tweets and gets himself in trouble. But the fact is, is that if you were to just watch some of the other news channels, you'd think he never did anything right. He can't even speak right. He can't even stand upright. He can't tie his tie right. He can't comb his hair right. He doesn't smell right. He doesn't look right. He doesn't stand right. He doesn't, and you're standing there, and it's just constant, constant, constant criticism. And we get that way ourselves. We're just constantly critical at times when we should let go of that because that creates an atmosphere of an unforgiving spirit. Now, kindness. So what is kindness? Well, it's to be gracious. We ought to be kind. Uh, we, we ought to show uh, a loving spirit, a benevolent spirit, if you will, affectionate, caring, uh, compassionate type of person. And so if I were to just go through and show you those three subjects, that affection, that, that caring, that compassion... Just in Jesus' life, I wouldn't have enough time. 
We'd be here for days on end. Just, I could just take one word and show you how Jesus was affectionate. And I can show you from Mark to the end of the Bible how compassionate he was toward others. And so I think it would limit us, but I want you to turn to a verse right now. Let's turn to Luke uh, real quick, and I want you to look at this real quick with me. Turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And uh, I'm just hitting very lightly on this in Luke chapter 6. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Look at verse 32. The Bible says, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And he goes on and says in verse 34, And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your... Mm. That's tough, isn't it? Do you ever read the scriptures and go, nope, <laughs> not going to happen. I just look at it and it says, but love your enemies, now watch this, and do good. Now watch this. Here you go, Brother Mike. And lend hoping for nothing again. I don't know how many times I've done that in my life. And uh, I never got my canoe back. I never got my, um, I never got my, uh, um, uh, what's the thing called? The cutter, no, the cutter for the trees. Remember the long thing? I had all these tools. And I would tell people at the church, I'd say, hey, listen, if you, if you need it, it's in my garage. My garage is unlocked. If you need it, go get it. And they did. The other part of it, they forgot. When you're done, please return it. Or when you're done, right, put it back in better condition than whenever you received it. My pastor taught me that. There were times I didn't get it returned, and there were times that it just didn't work after I went to go use it again. But do you know what? I never let that stop me. If anybody in this church said, I have need of, and I have it available to me, it's yours. Because it doesn't belong to me anyway. And so if I hold on to it, if I lend it, expecting something again, then what have I done? And so I lend it. And in this case, he's talking about giving it away. But notice what he says here. He says, and if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much. But love your enemies and do good. Lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is, what's the word? For he is, look at verse 35, look at the end of the chapter where he said, be the children of the highest, for he is, what's the word there? Kind unto thee unthankful. Wait a minute. <laughs> he is kind to the what? Unthankful. unthankful. So, and to the, whew, that's a tough one. What's the next word? It's the end of the verse. Evil. So he says, be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. And then he goes on, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, Brother Godfrey was just here, and I hear that verse used often, and I've even used it in reference to, you know, I'm giving money away or I'm giving something and then I receive back. Do you know what the subject matter is here? <laughs> Mercy, forgiveness, and love. Mercy, forgiveness, and love. And he said, whenever you give that out beyond measure, 
you can expect it in a greater return. Now, we always use it, and I can't say that you can't use it in terms of giving. You can, but I'm just simply saying, when you put it back into context, what are we really talking about? Love, mercy, and forgiveness. And you cannot give enough of that away. And so God says, wherewith you give it away, what you send it out with, that's the kind that you're going to get in return, and then some. And he said, press down. You know, it, it, it's, it's overflowing, God tells us. And so he goes on to tell us that this is the kind of kindness, this is the kind of care that we should show toward another. So our Christ is so kind toward us and wants us, his people, to do the same. So we should show kindness toward others as the Lord uses kindness to draw others to him, and he wants to use you to accomplish that. So if I'm unkind, I can't expect to draw people to Christ. I need to show kindness for them to be drawn unto him. The second thing is this. We need to be compassionate. Look at verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. And he said, and be kind one to another and tenderhearted. You look at the word, there's a comma there. He says tenderhearted. So he says, and be ye kind to one another, be ye tenderhearted toward one another. So we need to be tenderhearted as well. And so the second obligation is to be tenderhearted. So what is this tenderhearted? Well, that's being compassionate. When you're being compassionate, sometimes we have to be understanding um, how many of you have had thoughts, you see somebody and they're just not living the way that they should and something harsh enters into their life and the first thing we do is we become judgmental and critical of that life, of that individual. Well, huh, what do you expect? Look at what they're doing. And how do we get right away? Instead of really trying to be understanding at times toward other people, we just kind of lay into them for the condition that they're in. Well, if they'd have done this, well, I, you know, hey, look, if they... And we have that kind of a spirit about us at times. And so when you look at this, that word tenderhearted is to be compassionate and understanding, but it also has this idea that we're sympathetic. And the idea of sympathetic doesn't, doesn't mean you just whine and cry with them, but you're supportive, you're consoling, you help them. But, but, you know, we don't always have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ, and we want to turn them to him as often as we can and show them biblical principles to live by. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, I use this at funerals a lot, but I want you to think about what this says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He said, Blessed be, or 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, uh, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now listen to what he tells us. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Do you know what he just told us? He comforts us, and the way in which he comforts us, he expects us, when someone else is having a trial, to step in and comfort them in their tribulation and their trouble. So we reach out to them, we be helped to them. So when we go and canvas or go soul winning, even when others are steeped in a, in a different religion, what I always tell you is avoid harsh words toward them. Their belief system is their belief system, but what you're trying to do is share the truth with them. We don't have to be abrupt and harsh and angry. That's not what boldness means in the Scriptures. Boldness simply means that we're willing to share the truth of Jesus Christ with them. It doesn't mean that I have to put them down, their household, their family, and everything they've ever believed in. What I need to do is share the truth of the gospel with them. 
That's the boldness. When you look at boldness in the Scriptures, and you go back and look in the book of Acts, every time they were bold, they were bold to speak the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it was. It wasn't that they came in and said, Look, dummy, why are you involved in such a stupid religion? Can't you see that you're headed straight for hell if you do that? Now, you imagine if you walked up to someone's door and you did that, that doesn't go over so well. But if you could simply show them the truth of the gospel and say, Listen, Jesus Christ loves you. Let me share something with you. It goes different, doesn't it? And, and so you can't have that harsh, nasty attitude toward people to accomplish God's goals. And so instead of harshness or being abrupt, by the way, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Is that what we're talking about here? Is that what he said? Why do I have to be corrupt in my words to try to win someone to Christ? I don't get it. So I don't need to do that. I simply need to tell the truth. So we grieve the Spirit of the Lord, I believe, when we're in that situation. But put it away and focus on edifying. Notice what it says up above. He said, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Well, if you're going to put them down and put their religion down and put their life down and everything that they've been about for their entire life and don't even really know why sometimes, why would you do that? Because that doesn't minister any grace at all. What that does is build a barrier. And so even in our canvassing efforts, even in our door-knocking efforts, we want to be as, as meek-spirited as we possibly can, but bold in the sense that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the reason to be tender-hearted, it shows the compassion of Christ. If you would, turn to 1 Peter with me, chapter 3. 1 Peter, chapter 3. 1 Peter, chapter 3. If you're with me, say amen. Chapter 3. And I want to look at verses 8 and 9. Now he says, finally, that means that's the end of the message, right? And he goes on for quite a while after that. <laughs> he says, finally, be ye all of one mind. And there's a phrase there. Having what? Compassion. That's tender-hearted. That compassion means be understanding. That same word, that tender-hearted, that's used over in Ephesians is the same word that's being used here, has the same idea. And he says, be all, all, all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, love as brother. Be pitiful, be courteous. Now notice verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise. That means the opposite of that, blessing. He says, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a what? Blessing. Right. So we're not to return railing for railing, but we return blessing for railing. Are you with me? We're to bless those people, be uh, kind to those folks when they're that way. And so one mind, having compassion, love, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil. Compassion is the same as tenderhearted. Even if someone is harsh toward us in our witness for Christ, Romans 12, 21 tells us something. Even when someone does me wrong, listen to this. The Bible clearly says, be not overcome of evil. Now, if I allow what someone else does to me to affect how I respond to them, here's what we always say, no one's going to control me. Yes, they just did. They just did. When you allow what someone else says to cause you to dive in, claw at them, or scream at them, you're allowing yourself to be controlled by someone else and not, and not the Spirit of God. You're grieving the Spirit when you respond in that fashion. And so 
the Bible says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And we all know the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't be angry, but because we're angry, it gives us no right to sin. Because the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the what? Righteousness of God. So when I get angry, what's it doing for God? Nothing. And so when I respond or react in such a fashion, and I call it reactionary, I don't call it responding. Responding is, is whenever you say, you know, you have stimulus response, but you put Jesus in the middle of that, you take some of these verses and put them in your mind, and so whenever someone says something unkind or harsh toward you, and you don't react to it, you put Christ in the middle of it, it causes that compassion to come out of us, that tenderheartedness. So our Christ, think about it, is tenderhearted, and we are to show the same compassion toward others. And then we're required to pardon others. And so in verse 32, he says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Notice this, forgiving one another. Forgiveness is a tough thing. Now, I heard people say this. How many of you have heard this? I'll forgive them, but I'll never... Forget. Mm. How many of you have even thought that? I'm going to forgive them, but I'll never forget. Then you haven't forgiven them. You have not forgiven them. Do you know why? Jesus says that when he forgives us, it's forgotten. It is like as if he takes it and puts it behind his back. As far as the east is from the west, so has he separated our sin from us. Are you with me? So when I ask Jesus to forgive me, he's not bringing it up. He didn't say, well, let me, let me share something with you. I didn't forget what you did last time. It has the idea that he actually puts it behind his back like he looks at it no more, and so it doesn't even exist. And so we are at that place often where we're not willing to forgive. So we're required to pardon. So obligation number three, I think, for the Christian is forgiveness. Now, when you say forgiving, forgiving is favor. That's to pardon someone. And so when you pardon them, you do it for a reason. Now, what reason would I forgive somebody? Forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath what? Forgiven you. So why do I forgive? Because God forgave me. Why would I have forgiveness in my life? Because my Heavenly Father forgave me. Why did He do it? For Christ's sake, He forgave me. And so we forgive others for Christ's sake. That's why we do it. And so we forgive people for Christ's sake. Now, we have to change our thinking on the subject of forgiveness. Christ wants us uh, to use, uh, wants to use us to show his forgiveness to others. And so forgiveness is a principle that we're to live by as a Christian. So what is biblical forgiveness? Okay, you got your hand out now, right? So what is biblical forgiveness? Here's forgiveness. Now I want you to think about this. My pastor and I, years ago, we sat and we talked about this and we, we, we kind of put this thing together. And, and here's the idea. I will not bring this up to myself again. If you forgive somebody, you're not going to keep bringing it up to yourself. If you forgive somebody, you're not going to keep bringing it up to yourself. Do you know why? Because you're going to go after them again, or you're going to go after them in your heart. And if we've gone after them in our heart, it's as if we've done it already, isn't it? And so you think about this. Now, I will not bring this up to this other person again. In other words... Uh, you know, Vicki slammed into my car uh, out in the parking lot, and she uh, took off, and she never told me, and I got this big dent in my car, and I know it was her car because her paint color's on my car, and I knew she was the only one there that day, 
And she comes in and she goes, you know, you should never park your stupid car right there. <laughs> right? And I say, you know what, Vicki, it's okay. I forgive you. Don't worry about it. You're right. I shouldn't have put my car there. But when I come in the next day and I say, you know what, Vicki, I've rethought this thing. Right? Now, I just told her the day before, I forgive you. Now, why, by the way, you can ask any of my children in my house. You were never allowed to tell the other person, I'm sorry. You had to say, will you forgive me? We didn't use sorry. Sorry, most of the time means, oops, I got caught. <laughs> That's what it means. I will not bring this up to myself again. I will not bring this up to this other person again. I will not bring this up to someone else again. Hey, Lori, you know what your mother did? She really just ticks me off, man. You know, I forgave her, but let me tell you what she did. What am I doing? Now you say, preacher, I don't do that. Yes, we do. We bring it up to ourselves. We bring it up to other people. And we tell the person, ah, we forgive you. And then we're out telling 10 other people. Why would you do that? Now, here's the thing. Does Jesus do that to us? Absolutely not. He does not. Now, watch this. I will not bring this up to God again. <laughs> I need to let it go. I need to let it go. When he forgives, does he forgive? So what should I do? When I have forgiven someone, I should let it go, right? Now, forgiveness is not... Here's the do nots. Do not begin to explain why you did what you did. Well, you know, Vicki, the reason I got mad at you, if you hadn't been so stupid and really just threw that thing in reverse and just backed that car out and just slammed into my car like that, but listen, I forgive you. The reason I got mad at you is because I just saw you. I knew you ran out the door and you were mad and you jumped in your car and you just threw it in reverse and you hit my car. And that's the reason I actually got mad. But listen, I forgive you. <laughs> so you tell them why you did what you did, right? Now, do not begin to blame others for what you did. Okay? So what am I doing when I tell her, well, listen, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done what? This, right? Let me tell you why we don't do that. Do you, can you name me one person in the Bible that did that? Adam did it, didn't he? Yep. Lord, it wasn't me. It was that woman you gave me. <laughs> yeah, Adam and Lord. <laughs> but think about this for just a moment. What happened? Eve said, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. Yep. Adam said, it wasn't me. It was that woman. Now, who did he blame this time? It was that woman you gave me. Woo. <laughs> So the do-nots, you kind of got to hold those in your head whenever you're going to seek forgiveness. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm coming and asking, Vicki, please forgive me for something. And then I just start telling her why I did what I did and all that kind of stuff. That's not how you do it. Now what to do? Simply ask this person to forgive you for what you did. My children were never allowed to tell me why they did what they did to their brother or sister. All they had to do was tell me what they did. Boy, that bugs people. Because what they want to do... I'd say, Michael, what'd you do? Well, Connor, I said, no, I didn't ask you what Connor did. Mike, what did you do? Well, if he, he I said, Mike, I don't want to know what he did. I want to know what you did. You see, when God came down, he asked Adam, what hast thou done? 
Isn't that what he asked him? And he then, didn't say, why did you do it? And then, so what you want to do is you want to ask, what did you do this for? What is the reason you did this? And so simply ask this person to forgive you for what you did. Now you need to identify what you did. Vicki, I'm asking you to forgive me. I should not have lied to you. Would you please forgive me for lying to you? You see, you're asking for something specific, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And so you ask for that specifically. Now listen, identify what you did and ask for forgiveness for what you did. For what you did. You're not blaming them. You're not blaming someone else. You're not blaming the wind. You're not blaming the storm. You're not blaming anything. You're just saying, this is what I did. Now watch this. We are not responsible for that person's response. So Vicki looked up at me and said, there ain't no way, you nutcase. I'm not responsible for her response. Now, if I was sincere in my heart and I really asked her to forgive me, I would not harbor that. But I would turn around and say, well, listen, I just want you to know, I'm just asking you to forgive me. I should not have lied to you. And even no matter how she responds, it doesn't give me the right to react to that. Are you with me? Because you're just prolonging it. You're making it worse. And the more you get into it, the more you propagate the problem rather than allow it to go away. Continue to have compassion. Now, we just talked about that, right? Have some understanding. And if they bring it up again, ask for forgiveness again. If they bring it up again to you, just say, look, I, would you please forgive me? You don't say, Laura, how many times are you going to bring this up? I already told you, right? How many times are you going to keep bringing it up to me? That's not how you respond. What you should do is if they do say it to me again, I should just simply say, Laura, please forgive me. You are correct. You're right. What are they going to do to that? It gets hard, doesn't it, for them? Because if you just say, forgive me, what are they going to do? And you're sincere. And so if they come to me a hundred times and I keep saying, forgive me for it, that's, they just don't let it bother me. I know I was sincere. They have the responsibility now to do right in that situation. So unforgiveness and bitterness. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but I want you to go look this up on your own. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it talks about a root of bitterness springing up in us. And what happens is, is when we maintain unforgiveness in our heart towards someone or towards some situation, toward a group of people or whatever, that begins to take a root of bitterness, and it kind of springs up in us. And it'll take root, and when it takes root, it gets deep. And you've heard me share this, that bitterness is me drinking a glass of poison thinking I'm hurting the other person. And that's really what it is. And I'm harboring something, I'm holding on to something. I am not allowing to let go of it. And so I hang on to that, and that's bitterness. And you can go read in Hebrews. And then I talk about this, just stay right. Now all these verses deal with the subject of forgiveness here. And you can go read this on your own time. And so it's just to stay right. Go in and read these verses, how you stay in a right relationship, how you handle these things, how you go to another brother or sister and you talk to them and you try to resolve it. If, it, if it's not resolved, then there has to be steps and measures taken because you have to do something about it. You can't leave it unresolved. But if I sought forgiveness and that person forgives, it doesn't mean, by the way, forgiveness, listen to me now, Forgiveness does not mean that consequences can't follow what happened. Are you listening? Can consequences follow from something that I've done, some action that I've taken? Sure they can. Even though forgiveness has taken place, action still can take place. Are you with me? Sure they can. So, you know, I pulled the trigger and I shot somebody, 
and I killed them, and I turn to the family and I say, forgive me, it's not going to stop me from going where? Still going to prison, aren't I? And so even though I sought forgiveness and meant it in my heart, it doesn't mean that there might not be consequences from whatever it is that I've done. So it can still come. So read that on Stay Right. And then forgiveness is Christ-like. Our example is Christ. Be an example to others. I'm going to read this verse to you and then we're done. If you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll finish with this. First Peter chapter 2. If you dare say amen. amen. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering, how? Wrongfully. So this is thankworthy if, if I'm suffering wrongfully, <laughs> that's thankworthy with God. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Now watch. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. God simply told us this. If I've done something wrong and I get slammed for it, big deal. <laughs> you did wrong. So you're getting nailed for it. But he said this. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, right? This is acceptable with God. In other words, I didn't do anything wrong, Ben. I didn't, I didn't even do anything. And yet, I'm taking some suffering for it. <laughs> but I didn't do anything. And God says whenever you do that, that's acceptable with him. Now watch. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example you should follow his steps. In other words, I should do what Christ did. So what are the steps that Christ took? Well, here they are. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. What he said was, the things that we did wrong, Christ paid for it, didn't he? Christ paid for it. said when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he, when he was threatened, he didn't, he didn't return threats. How many of us are like that? You get threatened, what do you do? Somebody says something wrong to you, what do we say back to them? We respond, don't we? We react to those things. Yet, if we look at this, God said, if you didn't do anything wrong and you're suffering for not having done wrong, this is acceptable with God. Now, wait a minute. I didn't write the book. I'm just reading it. Amen. <laughs> and so you say, that just doesn't set well with me. Well, you know, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what he said. So I want to challenge you in this area of forgiveness in your lives. Kindness and tenderheartedness. What does that lead to? It leads to forgiveness. When you're kind and tender-hearted, that means that you yourself show that love, that love to God's people. It's an act of love. And you show love, you show that care that you should. And then you're tender-hearted. In other words, I'm compassionate, I'm understanding, I'm sympathetic toward their situation. I, I, I'm supportive, I'm consoling, and I'm listening. And what that leads to is a heart of forgiveness. Now, what is the reason that we do this? For Christ's sake. Let's pray.